All right, hello and welcome to the Lombal Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You listen to myself, Albert, and we have a very special episode this week. Barney is on holiday having a week off, so we've got two excellent substitutes uh, to take his place. Firstly, friend of the show and someone we've had on the podcast before, Kevin Araja Fernandez. Kevin, thank you very much for joining us. How are you, mate? Yeah, all good. Uh, another great week of Portuguese football, as always. Eventful, as always. Um, <laughs> pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. Anytime, mate. You're always welcome. And it is great pleasure for me to announce a debut on the Longball Football Podcast. We're joined by, in my opinion, um, the internet's premier family cow fan. That is, of course, João Nuno Souza. João, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, sir? Thank you. That's that's quite the introduction. Uh, <laughs> a pleasure to be here. Uh, obviously, um, we look at Portuguese football here in Portugal um, in our own bubble. So it's always nice to to have someone from the outside uh, looking at our football, having a different view, raising different points. So um, it, it's it's it makes the conversation a lot richer to have people like you guys. Um, talking about the Primera Liga, watching the games, because you give us a whole other pr perspective, uh, which is very different from the one we have. Uh, so, so yeah, it's a very interesting podcast. So, so I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you very much. It's very kind. And as Kevin alluded to, you know, two guests on the show who obviously Kevin's a sporting fan, Joao's a family cow fan, but two guys who really know the league and know all the clubs very well. So. Uh, it's going to be a great episode. Before we get started, just a quick reminder that if you enjoy the show, don't forget to leave a rating on Spotify and a review on Apple Podcasts and just send the show to your friends if you enjoy it. But look, let's crack straight on with some football. And I want to start with sporting as we have Kevin on the show who beat Santa Clara 3-0 on Saturday. As we know, Kevin, a big sporting fan, but also Joao was in attendance in the Estadio de Avalada for this game. So... We've got some great perspective on this one. Kevin, I'll come to you first. It was a very routine victory, a 3-0 victory over bottom of the league, Santa Clara. Very comfortable win. My only criticism personally would have been that perhaps Sporting should have scored more goals. Perhaps they became a little bit sloppy and complacent towards the end of the game. But it's very hard to criticise a team when, when they've just won 3-0. So I think we should give them perhaps the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I mean, like you, like you alluded to, a routine victory, except for Sporting this season. <laughs> the routines are usually quite difficult to get into because of the lack of consistency this season. So 3-0, even if they did drop off in the second half and look for a more professional performance, looking after fitness and basically just going in, back into second gear and seeing the game out, we'll take it because 3-0 victories where there's no goals conceded, no sloppiness, and there was no issue with efficiency in front of goal. I think any Sporting fan at this moment in the season will take it. Just another three points to add on to the best run of the season, which, fair enough, it's come too late, but we'll take good signs wherever they come from. And overall, it was a, it was a good win. Saw some good stuff being played against a team that, we'll be honest, hasn't looked themselves this season at all and shown no real signs of improvement, to be honest. So I think Santa Clara will have wanted to at least shown 
some sort of promise, some sort of improvement, be a little bit more solid in defence. And I think the amount of individual errors that they made, especially in their half of the pitch and in construction, will have really given them a bad impression because I don't think any Santa Clara fan will have wanted to go into the game thinking, yes, this is our opportunity to get three points and start some sort of a turnaround on their season. They would have wanted to show a little bit more fight, create some chances and have at least some phases of play that they can latch onto for some sort of hope. But the games seem to be going on, the season drawing to a close and the improvements aren't really showing up. Hmm. So for Sporting, it will definitely be a solid win. But for Santa Clara, I don't see what positives they could have taken out of that game at all. So it was really two opposite ends of the spectrum in that in that performance. Mm, absolutely. I think I had the, the exact same conclusion about Santa Clara. Obviously, it's very difficult for a team, any of the teams outside of the big three, to take positives from a game against a club like Sporting. But as you say, you just kind of hope for some kind of positive performance, defensive solidity, maybe making chances. I couldn't take personally a single positive from from Santa Clara's game. And at the moment, I can't really take a single positive from from their season as it's unfolding. Um, for anyone who doesn't know how bad things are, they're currently bottom of the table. It's 13 games since they last won. They have one point from their last 10 games. They've played 26 games this season and scored 17 goals. Joao, I'll bring you in here. Where do you think it's gone wrong for Santa Clara this season? Because in, in my opinion... There was a time when I looked at Santa Clara as, as quite a progressive club and a club with the possibility to grow. I thought they hired a, a, a series of, how can I put it, ambitious managers or at least interesting appointments. They didn't go for the same faces that you saw doing the rounds in the league. They signed interesting players from from interesting leagues. You know, they, they shopped a lot in Japan and South America. But it, something has gone horribly wrong because the team look absolutely terrible. There's no confidence and there's no cohesion at all between the players, between the manager or anyone at this point, sadly. Well, to be honest, uh, I was at the stadium, as you've said. Uh, it's a bit morbid, but I felt like it was like sporting, beating up someone who's already dead. Like they, mm. they didn't stand a chance. Um and to be honest, it was expectable. Uh, I actually had a chance to to speak with a few Santa Clara fans uh, before the game, and they were were saying like they were expecting four or five nil. So I guess they they're happy with the with the three nil, which doesn't sound too good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, and I think their manager after the game said that they were unlucky, which I I didn't quite understand. Like. Mm. I, I don't think they had more than one shot on target or <laughs> anyway. Um uh, regarding to, to your question, um I think Santa Clara has gone wrong the second their sporting director left, mm. uh, which is Diogo Alma. Um he he's now at Casa Pia, I think, mm. and he's doing a, a very good job there. Uh, but yeah, he was kind of the the brain behind the money that the investors could uh, could bring. But at the moment, they have a president who's also a player agent. And if you can, 
if you look at their squad, you see a lot of questionable players coming from Brazil. And guess who their agent is? Yes, their president. Yay. Right. Uh, well, uh, yeah, it's not going very well. Um, but it's it's kind of expectable. Like in today's game, you can't really be be making those decisions and expecting to get away with it. Uh, I think uh, the Primera Liga standards are much higher now because if you look at like 10 years ago, you would look at a lot a lot of clubs doing things like this and they would get away with it. They would get mid-table finishes and even better than that sometimes. But now the league is so much better. Uh, clubs are acting much more rationally, mm-hmm. uh, which is obviously good for the league itself. Uh, and it makes us grow. But clubs like Santa Clara adopting this kind of approach, uh, it, it had everything to go wrong and it's going wrong. Uh, at, the, at the start of the... Um, of the season, actually, they they actually picked up some points. Um, probably you guys remember we were talking mm. like in December, January. We were talking about Pasto Ferreira being the worst team in the league uh, by a long shot, and now Santa Clara is the worst team in the league mm. by a long shot. Like I, I don't think they stand a chance, even though they're like a couple of points away from the the playoff spot. But I don't think they stand a chance. They they're not competitive at all. They, they don't improve. They lose 3-0 to Sporting and they think they were unlucky. So, like, we we can't expect big things from, from Santa Clara this season. Um, and I actually fear for them in, in the upcoming seasons because if you're that bad in Primera Liga and that deorganized in Primera Liga, uh, when you go down the divisions, when you have less money, uh, things can go really wrong. And we've seen a couple of examples of this in Portugal. So I, I fear for Santa Clara. I completely agree. Me and Barney had a conversation. I think it was on last week's podcast about of the three teams in the current relegation zone, which which clubs, which club are the most likely to survive. And it was a two-horse race, of course. We're going to talk about Marita Moleto, who got a very important victory, and they've showed good courage and good fight in, in games at the second half of the season. And Pascal Ferreira, who, in my opinion, have a, a very decent squad and, and have a few luxury players like uh, Antunes, Luis Carlos, and Nico Gaitan, leaders and, and experienced players. So both of those clubs have things that you can that give you hope for their survival, but... With yeah. Santa Clara, the problem is you look at that team, you look at the manager, you look at the the organization above the team, and you, you just can't see where their survival yeah. is going to come even, from. Even their attitude, like it's everything. Everything's wrong. Um, the players they, look defeated when yeah, when yeah. they start the game. Uh, Adriano at the back, who mm-hmm. usually plays in midfield, which is already a questionable decision because when you're going to face a much bigger team, the normal thing to do is to put more defensive players but they started with just one uh, pure center back uh, and then like there's this um, this play in which Adrian gets the ball it's already 3-0 to Sporting game's over um, he manages to get past Paulinho and he comes back to try to not make him and I was like <laughs> like you're doing this in Premier <laughs> like how, how are you trying to be better or how are you trying to compete I'm not even talking about winning the, the game, but how are you even trying to compete? Like they're clearly not. They're probably mm. getting uh, expecting to get some highlights out of that game, but mm. it's not looking good for them in any level. So yeah, they're going down for sure. A hundred percent. Um, I want to bring it back onto sporting because I'm interested to get your perspectives, both of your perspectives on their season so far, Kevin. When you open this 
this game, you you kind of alluded to the fact that it's been an inconsistent season. Obviously, Sporting had a slow start. They've got difficulties that they find themselves in now in in fourth place with trying to qualify for the Champions League. That's looking like a very difficult task. But it does seem to a certain extent, like in terms of performances and the way the team's playing, the team has kind of come out the other side of a, of a period of instability. Perhaps now the dust has settled a little bit. Um, I'm interested just to get your opinion on, on Amarim this season and how you think he's navigated that first real sticky patch that he's had this season because there was a time when I feared that he wouldn't be able to steer the ship. He wouldn't be able to get the season back on track. I don't know whether you think it is completely back on track yet, but certainly when I look at sporting now, they seem more confident that the team are playing with a bit more fluidity. And of course, beating Arsenal in the Europa League doesn't hurt. It gives the the, the the fans a big boost in terms of morale. So I think he's done fairly well at overcoming his first sticky patch of his career at Sporting, but he, he still hasn't 100% convinced for me. I mean, it's a very difficult situation, of course. 38 years old, his first experience really first division football because what he that period he had at Braga was a honeymoon mm. about 10 games experience this is his first test as a manager this is his first experience as a professional manager and we've seen a lot of clubs not have the patience to go through such a rocky period at a club like Sporting where everything is as we say in Portugal 8 or 80 like everything's calm or everything's on flames rioting in a position where there's no turning back and everything seems like it's about to explode. Mm. Amorim has done as good as he can given the situation he was given at the start of the season with major sales, big parts of the team, key elements to the system being sold, not being sufficiently replaced, not having the squad depth that he needs to command the team through a very taxing season, probably one of the worst that we've seen in terms of scheduling due to the World Cup. Amorim has done brilliantly in that regard, despite his and everyone's issues with his sort of very stubborn nature of keeping the same system no matter what and keeping the confidence in the players that he picks. I think it's pretty much the only thing you can do in a situation like that to not save face, but try and instill back some confidence in those players because when you have as many injuries as you have and you have players who are still adapting to the to the system, the way of playing and trying to create routines, the only thing you can do is trust that it will end up working out and that the players will buy into the philosophy and try and power through it. And it seems like it is what's happened. The injuries have gone down a little bit. Yeah, you've had uh, the midfield moving around a little bit more than usual, but the base for Kuban Amri and his success has always been a defence that won't falter mm. and an attack that will get those key goals. And when you're moving a player like Pot back, who had his success at Famali as we know, but has since then become a very reliant finisher and will come up with big goals in big moments, as we've seen somehow he scored that wonder goal against Arsenal. Even then, from from midfield, he manages to come out with a beauty like that. The team has become reliant on 
his contributions. And if you've not got a player like that in key areas to try and get you out of a sticky situation, you need your defence to be on your best day. And now that um, St. Just has come into his own, uh, has put his worst injury issues behind him, it seems, the addition of Diomande, I think it's given the players a real base that they can build on and improve their performances, as well as everything seeming to fall into place. There seems to be a little bit more luck mm. with the ball just going into the net because I think it's safe to say that this season is unlike any other that a Sporting fan will experience. I don't think you'll go into European games like Sporting did this season and have two of them against Marseille. So catastrophically, I'm not sure that any Portuguese team has done that two times against the same opposition. Have that sort of entrance where you can't build anything. It's, the game's gone before you've even started it and before you've even settled. Hmm. So I think now everything's seeming to fall into place. Amory has, to his credit, been proven right once again to carry on trying what he's seeming to do and the club having the patience to stick with him. The The project works. The project has given the best results to Sporting that they've seen in 20 years and broken records that most Sporting fans that are 50, 60, 70 years old that have seen the best period of the club ever this period is comparing to that. Hmm. So, honestly, I don't I don't think too much blame can be pinned on Amorim specifically or the board or the players. I think it's just a season where everything seemed to go wrong from everyone. And now the only thing that we can, we can do as a Sporting fan and anyone looking in from the outside is wait for Sporting to carry on this road of form see what's working, see what's not, and try and fix the issues internally and try and make a better situation of the transfer window upcoming and try and build from scratch because this season has pretty much been a write-off. Now it's just going to fight for what remains of a Champions League space if it's there because that obviously will rely also on the um, faltering of the op of the, the rivals above them in Porto and Braga, which seems quite difficult. Hmm. They just need to carry on the road that they are and next season try not make the same mistakes in preparing a team for battle. Yeah, Amarim certainly had a lot thrown at him this season. I think the one thing you can say is that no matter how he's handled it this season, if he's faced with those same challenges next season, he'll be much better better equipped to deal with those uh, should they arise next season. And quickly, just quickly, Joao, your perspective on Amarim as, as a non-sporting fan, because there was a time when he was seen as Portugal's next big hope for as a managerial export. I wonder now whether his reputation is still in the same place that it, it, it was a year ago. In, in some in some ways, I think he's shown a, a kind of tactical some tactical limitations, perhaps some stubbornness tactically, which we didn't see before. But also, I think he's he's now more experienced. So I'm just interested to get your perspective on 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 how you see him as as the season's gone on. Yeah, I think uh, after that period where everyone 
thought it was the next big thing. Uh, now we actually see that he has some some limitations. We also saw that that exact same thing in the um, in the season where Sporting won the league. But the thing is, they were scoring goals even even with those limitations. But mm. now they're well, the the, um, the individual capacity is not the same. Uh, so obviously things are are changing, and we see that although he's not the best manager in the world, I, I still think he's one of our most exciting prospects when it comes to managers. Uh, I think regarding this season, uh, the likes of Diomande and Sanchust uh, playing better and better each week is making Sporting a lot stronger. Uh, I think having Coates, which is a legend of the club, uh, was holding them back uh, a little bit. But now with uh, Inácio Sanchust and Diomande, uh, they look solid. Uh, and also, they're they're much better on the ball. So I, I think it, it's a shame it's so late in the season that Sporting uh, is becoming a bit better. But I still think they, they can challenge for a, a Champions League spot. Uh, I think Braga will drop some points there they're not that consistent and realistically I think Sporting can win every game uh, until the end of the season in the Primera Liga at least uh, the um, the only team that is theoretically stronger is Benfica but it will be uh, when Benfica had already, had already uh, won the title so mm. it should be a winnable game at least so I, I think Sporting can can hope for a Champions League spot because uh, Braga will will drop points. I, I'm I'm very sure of that. So uh, and Porto as well. Uh, Porto is not looking very good either. So it could go either way. But I I do believe Sporting will get better and better. And the Muri, um, he he wants to stay. That's what he says at least. But the the big dogs are after him as well. Mm. It'd be really interesting to see how Sporting line up on the first game of next season, both in terms of players and manager and, and what kind yeah. of condition they're in. Well, look, um, let's move on and talk about some other teams. I want to touch on Benfica and Porto quickly. Both teams won 1-0 in the league. Benfica, me and Barney have the same conversation on every podcast about Benfica. We struggle to find new things to say about them because they just seem to cruise through every game with ease uh, they're very rarely challenged and they seem to be, as I've described on a different podcast, a well-oiled machine that just keeps keeps on going, keeps on moving. So, Kevin, I'll start with you because obviously we've, we've become accustomed to Benfica in the last couple of years, perhaps underachieving, perhaps wasting the resources that they have. This season is not the case. Um, if I had to push you for maybe one key thing that you think's changed about Benfica compared to the last couple of seasons that's made that difference. I know what mine would be, but I'd be interested to hear your opinion on what that might be. I'd basically say the culture around the club. Because, let's be honest, when Vieira was the president of Benfica, it got to a point where the project was very much a financial one. And I think the whole way that Dienzo sale was handled was basically a very big indicator of how Benfica should be run and will be run. In the case that only for the release calls will the big players be sold and that there will be heavy investment in the right players to replace them and the academy will be used, will be a big part of the future and that the manager 
and the signings and the scouting all have to play a part in this. Whereas before, it seems like either the manager would neglect the culture mm. of the club or the players themselves just wouldn't buy into a particular system and they seem very accustomed to throwing their toys out the pram. And so I think there has to be full credit given to Hoi Costa for selecting the right manager for his for, for a sporting project that has the success on the field very much as the main focus. Whereas before, it seemed like Georges, for example, wouldn't, wouldn't include the youth or would put Bernardo Silva as a left-back, as we've seen recently. Apparently, he was ahead of the curve. <laughs> that, that's a Guardiola thing. Let's, let's not go too much into that. Roger Schmidt has full credit for putting an 18-year-old centre-back who basically had no experience above the level of the under-19s straight into the lineup, even when the alternatives were back and available. It's, it's stuff like this, which are a big indicator of the direction that these clubs should go in and need to for sporting success and financial success. You don't need to prioritise one above the other when both are equally important and can coexist. Everyone's doing their part. The, the players have bought into the manager's system. And Hoi Kosh have has basically looked at all of the criticisms that Benfica has had in the past for their former president and has rectified basically all of them. So everyone deserves a round of applause because the mentality is completely different. It's a team of winners. It's a win. It's a team that are very very available to do anything for the manager, run, fight, and will not give up. The manager will do right by the players and select the best, regardless of age, regardless of agent, and the president will give conditions for the club to do this. So let me just let me just add something yeah. there because uh I I agree with what you're saying. Like I think Mefica is improving a lot as a club and Rui Costa is obviously the the main man behind behind all the success but we also have to mention Rui Pedro Braz in my opinion uh it was a bit of a dodgy appointment and, or at least that's what the main public saw it as um no one was really convinced when he joined uh he was a pundit and no one really thought he would be able to change the club the way he has but i i think he's improved the club a lot and I think um, in a different scale, it's a bit of the same talk we were having about Santa Clara. They are now having a more, much more rational approach than they were having before. Um, Porto, for example, is not having that rational approach and is falling behind. I think that's a big difference. Um, when you have one of the best scouting teams in the world, I think Benfica's scouting team is probably one of the best in the world. You have to use it. You have to trust it. And they have to be lined up with whatever the manager wants, whatever the club wants. And I think they are using it very wisely. They are signing players very wisely. Um, they haven't had any any major failures this season, uh, at least ones that I can remind, um, that I can remember, sorry. Uh, for example, one, one major fail, it's not even major, but for example, Enrique Araujo's loan at Watford probably wasn't the right choice. But apart from that, it's it's 
so much better. The club is run so well. And I think they have the resources, they have the people, they have the capacity to be Portugal's biggest club for the next like decade or, or even more. Because what they're doing is they're not focusing on today, they're focusing on uh, the future as well. Uh, their academy is so strong and it's getting even stronger. So it will be very hard for Sporting and for Porto to compete with Benfica in the next uh, in the next next couple of years. I completely agree. I, you know, I think it's common knowledge that Benfica have the most resources of any club in in the league. But it's one thing to have them and another thing to use them competently. So I think the prospect of Benfica exactly. being well run and using their resources competently for the next few years is a prospect that I think will uh, frighten quite a lot of uh, rival fans. Um, I do want to talk about the game of football specifically. They beat Rio Ave 1-0 away from home. Um, one player that caught my eye and I want to bring up with you guys, it's easy to look at Benfica and point to the star players uh, when you're talking about their success, whether that's Gonzalo Ramos, whether that's Rafa, Joao Mario, any of those type of players. But I think one player who's been talked about a lot more recently uh, is Chiquinho. And I think in many ways he... Uh, he epitomizes what you were saying about a change in culture in the club because he's a player that was signed possibly for economic reasons. He was possibly seen as a, a cheap signing that could maybe be sold on. And he had a manager who didn't really believe in him or, or give him that belief. But now he's being treated by not just the manager, but also the owners as a key member of, of the squad. And I think he's really benefiting from that. And he's putting in fantastic performances. He was a man of the match in this game. And I think it was... Uh, a justified decision. Uh, I'm interested to hear you guys' thoughts on on Chiquinho and a player who has previously been neglected, I think, by his management uh, and is now is now playing really well. Kev, I'll start with you. I mean, when he came from Madridense, I think everyone knew his talents. I think mm. everyone expected him to make a bit of a jump up. And it's difficult for players from these teams to really solidify themselves among such a talented team and high expectations at a club like Benfica. So, again, yes, yeah, full credit to Roger Schmidt for actually giving him the run in the squad and really using him, not only his abilities within the squad to replace such a talented player like Enzo, but to use him as... An example of what Benfica is and will do in the future and his philosophy, which is making the best out of a really bad situation for the club supporters. But look, he has a he has a chant now. He's really put himself as one of Benfica's most consistent performers. And he might not be a flashy player. He might not be what most would consider to be a starter or what people would expect from a starting midfielder at a club like Benfica. But he's always had talent. He's never been a bad player. The way that people used to talk about him is as if he was dispensable. He was not a good player, not a player for that level. And clearly that, that there is some use to him. Of course he has limitations, but he is a good player. And really it's all about just finding these talents that can align with the club's objectives, with the manager's expectations and find the perfect fit. Maybe in the past, a player like Shikin didn't fit in with the past managers, but where there is 
that willingness to try and make that fit, you're going to have results. And that's exactly what's happened here. And it's full credit to the player himself to really take advantage of the situation and the opportunity and then instill himself as undroppable, which hmm. two years ago, I don't think anyone would have expected. Especially when you're going on loan to mid-table teams in Turkey, it doesn't bode well for your for your future, but he's really turned it around. Jao, I want to talk to you about Kriyav. Um I know they're a team that you've watched quite quite a lot this season. Um, we first met at a Rioav game, so I think it's apt that uh, I get your opinion on them. I thought they defended pretty well, especially in the first half of this game. I thought they were very solid. It's so difficult to ask a team like Rioav to get anything out of a game against Benfica. You know, we when we were talking about Santa Clara, you're kind of saying all you want is is a good performance. Well, they they definitely gave that. They not just it wasn't it also wasn't a case of them really hanging on against Benfica. I thought that first half they did a really good job of limiting them uh, to to barely a handful of 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 good chances. Of course, Benfica get a goal very quickly in the second half. Perhaps when Rio, I've just switched off for a moment after half time. And ultimately, that's enough to get them the win. Um, I want to get your opinion on them overall this season, but particularly about Guga in midfield because he's kind of emerged as, as a talisman. And I know you watched him when he was at Family Cal as well. I've recently seen reports linking him with with Porto and Benfica. Uh, he seems to be a player in demand in the summer. I wonder what you think about the kind of level that, that he could reach and, and what capacity you think he has as a player as well. Uh, firstly, about Hiwav. Uh, I think they're a, ve- a very solid team. Uh, they're very hard to beat. Uh, they're very organized. And I-, I think that if we look at um, at the rest of the teams outside the big three or the big four or five, uh, I think they were probably uh, the team that had the best three games against uh, the big teams in their stadium, at least. Uh, they're very hard to beat. Uh, they're very hard to beat. Uh, and I, I think they have a, a nice project going on. I think the club still needs to grow a little bit. Um, as you've seen, they their stadium is not the best. Uh, it isn't very attractive uh, to the fans. But it, Can it I takes... just interrupt you? The stadium sure. might not be great, but they have the best floodlights I have ever seen at any <laughs> football stadium. Please carry on. Well, uh, <laughs> well that, that's that, that's good, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, but but yeah, they're they're moving forward, I guess. Uh, they they had a, a bit of a shaky couple of seasons in the Segunda Liga as well. But now that they're back, uh, Luis Freire is a is an exciting manager in my opinion, and he's doing a very good job, a, a very stable job as well, which is uh, quite rare in Portugal. Uh, but in my opinion, they they need to go up a level if they want to to reach Europe again because they have to put the potential to do that to do that. Um, about Guga, uh, it's a very interesting player. I like him a lot. Um, when he was at Famalicão, he was never a starter really. Uh, like when when we went up, uh, he in the first couple of games he was my favorite player. I'm not gonna lie. Like he was absolutely amazing, putting amazing performances like the ones we are seeing now. Uh, and now he's even better, in my opinion. But the thing is, in that season, we had Pedro Gonçalves and Rasic in the middle. So it didn't leave him much space. But now, now that he's getting chances week in, week out, he's improving and he's showing 
he's showing what his level is. And his level is definitely uh, above Rio Aves. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if he could be a starter at like Porto or Sporting or Benfica, but he'll, he definitely has the quality to be a squad player uh, and to make a difference, actually. Uh, we, are, we were talking about Shiking earlier. Um, he can have an, an impact which is similar to the one Shikingu is having right now, or even better, in my opinion. Um, physically, he's not very strong. Uh, he doesn't score a lot of goals, but he runs the park. Like he's, he's a proper number, right? A proper midfielder. So I think at Porto, they would love him. He gives everything every game. So um, what can you ask more? Like he, he, he definitely has the level to to go a level above. And I, I think Riwa will sell him in the summer. Uh, their president already spoke about this, but I, I'm pretty sure that they they won't hold on to him. He's got great leadership qualities as well, which is yeah. which is what I like. We talk about sometimes the problems with the uh, big three clubs hoovering up all of the young talent. But I think spending time at Benfica's academy, I, I believe he captained them at youth level so he's taken on leadership qualities at uh, a young age which I think are are really impressive Um, I'm going to have to apologise to Porto fans because I think we're going to skip over their game I hope they forgive me it was only a 1-0 victory against Porto Lens quite a routine victory but there's some other games that I want to get onto before we finish so let's talk about Shavs versus Braga I predicted that this game would be tough for Braga and I think it that became true, really, despite uh, a tough game, though. Braga ultimately won 2-1 with goals from Luru Medeiros and Abel Ruiz. Now, obviously, Barney can't be with us tonight, but he wanted to be involved in the show. So he text, I asked him to text, him, text me a question. Now, he didn't send me a question for you guys. He sent a question for myself. And his question was, Albert, why have you not been flying the flag for Luru Medeiros to be in the Portugal national team? Now... Everyone who knows me knows I love outlandish statements and I also love Luis Medeiros. But I think perhaps pushing him for the national team is a bit of a stretch, but I, I want to get both your guys' opinions on Luis Medeiros. I've seen, I saw two really interesting tweets after this game against Braga for completely separate people that I think epitomise Luis Medeiros as a player. One simply said Luis Medeiros is one of the most technically gifted players in the league and another saying that Perhaps if his career had been different, if he'd made better decisions when he was younger, then he would have a very different career than the one he has now. As things stand, we find him in the League of Portugal for Braga. Perhaps a bit of an inconsistent player, but for me, I cannot resist watching a game in which he starts because you just always know when he's on the pitch that there could be a moment of magic just around the corner. Kevin, I can see you smiling. I've got a feeling you might agree with me. I loved him. <laughs> I loved him when I started sporting. I loved him in the in the academy. I thought he was gonna have a great career at sporting, but that at that period is very difficult. Um, many young players didn't get the chance, like Ryan Gold, who obviously had a very good com- campaign in in Portugal. Matheus Pereira, when he was at Chaves, is another one. Yuri fell very much into the same category. Um, had his time in Germany. I thought he was um. Nuremberg, I think he was at. Had a couple of loan spells in Portugal as well. Um, He had his injury issues. He's always had an issue with consistency. So maybe he was justified never to have him as a a main option in in the first team. Maybe that's why he never got his fair share of minutes. But 
I've always rooted for him to have a good career and it seems like he's coming into his own finally and yeah you said it exactly he's a player who's very technically gifted could definitely with some more luck maybe a different mentality maybe with a bit more consistency could have gone on to have a very a much better career or perhaps maybe it's just getting started a little bit late who knows but he is a pleasure to watch he's technically very gifted when he mm. shifts the ball onto his left foot and creates a bit of space because he's quite intelligent. You know something is going to happen. And he's one of those players that will get you onto the edge of your, shit, of your seat. And you, he's, a, he's a creator and he's got a wonderful left foot. He, he can score him and he's a great creator. He's someone that you'd love to have in your team on the, that right-hand side. And yeah, he's been having a great campaign for, for Braga so far. I wouldn't say national team, but you know what? <laughs> Fernando Martinez has been consistently at pretty much every game, it seems like. He's yeah. always been seen at, in, in the stands for so many games. Maybe he's watching. Maybe, Maybe. he's listening to this. Who knows? He seems to be everywhere. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. Hey, there's, there's a space to be filled on that right-hand side. Let's be honest. That's well, more, but I... Um, You've got Bernardo Silva and Otavio playing that half midfielder role, like um, like João Mario does at Benfica. If they need a proper winger, if they mm. they like someone who wants to cut in on on his left foot, eh, who knows? You, you know. Well, maybe know. if maybe the fact you that Bernardo know. Silva plays left back now leaves a position open for for Lurio Medeiros in the national team. Who knows? Uh, João, I won't ask you any more ridiculous questions, but the other goal scorer from this game for Braga was Abel Ruiz, who similarly to, to Paulinho in a way for sporting has sometimes been, been questioned maybe for a lack of consistency in front of goal, but perhaps his, his role in the team is more complicated than just an out and out goal scorer. He's a very different type of striker to Simon Banza, but Arthur George, despite in my opinion, Abel Ruiz, let me put it this way. If, if I had, a one-on-one, one-on-one chance with the goalkeeper, and I had to pick a striker to take the chance. I would pick Banza over Abel Ruiz, but nevertheless, Arthur George seems to really trust him as a player, and and seems to be selecting him ahead of Simon Banza at the moment. I'm just interested in in what you make of Abel Ruiz and how you think he he fits into Braga's team, what he offers the team when he plays. Well, he he just makes the team better, in my opinion. Uh, his impact on on Braga is much bigger than Banza's. Uh, of course, I agree with you. Uh, Banza is a poacher. Banza is a much better finisher. But a Bel Ruiz game uh, suits Braga like a glove, uh, suits their ideas. Uh, and actually, I, I find it interesting that I, I don't think I've seen any links uh, from from Sporting to Abel Ruiz, but I think it just makes sense. Like He's as similar as to Paulinho as you can get, but, mm. but he doesn't score a lot of goals. To be honest, uh, Abel Ruiz, uh, I know him like from way back. Like I, I remember watching uh, an under seventeen game from Spain against I don't know who, and I <laughs> and I thought, oh, Abel Ruiz is uh, quite a good striker. And then, uh, yeah, he came to Portugal, so so yeah, I was very happy to see that. Um, but yeah, he he's never been a goal scorer. He's never been someone 
will get you 25, 30 goals a season. Um, I, I think he can score more. I think he can improve. But he's very intelligent. He's more of a false nine, maybe. Uh, maybe in a team that uses, for example, uh, I think with Abel and Vitinha, that worked really well. Uh, I would like to see him play with uh, with Banza a lot more. I think they can they can really benefit each other. So so yeah, I think he's a brilliant player. Uh, maybe he needs to score more goals to get more chances and to to move to a bigger team. But for a team like Braga, I don't think they can complain about Abel Ruiz. He's very intelligent, technically very good. Um, he, he makes the team a lot better, in my opinion. Mm. The one thing that amazes me about Abel Ruiz is. In my head, he's played for Braga for for four or five years, and he played for Barcelona for four or five years before that, and yet he still plays for the Spain under twenty one national team. It's just something in my head can't compute the fact that he's still so young. So, still a, a lot of growing for him to do as a player, and credit to him because I've said he's not the best goal scorer, but he, he scored a wonderful goal in this game. It was a it was a great finish. So credit to him for that. Kevin, in general, it's been quite a positive season for Braga, possibly taking advantage of, of Sporting's difficulties. They might grab a Champions League spot, uh, which would be fantastic for them. When Carlos Cavalio left Braga, I thought they would struggle to progress. I thought they would struggle to improve. In fact, I thought they would regress. I thought they would get worse. But actually, they look better now than they did under Cavalio, in my opinion. I think with potential Champions League money next season as well, do you think there's an opportunity for them if they use that money correctly to make this not a one-off season where they're challenging the top four, but maybe they can build that into the next two, three, four seasons. It's definitely possible. Uh, you look at the trajectory from when their president, Antonio Salvador, took over, and it's always been on a rise, a very steady rise, but he's taken a team that weren't as serious, and he's taken them to make more of a discussion for there to be a big four instead of a big three. Mm. And I think these, this sort of trajectory, these sort of results this season, were bound to arrive eventually due to the, his great business and the fact that they've consistently been on the cusp of these breaking seasons to break into the top three. And they've had a couple in recent history taking advantage of if Porto or mainly Sporting have had a poor season. So it's it's definitely possible. There's obviously quite a sizable gap between having those fourth place finishes and just every now and again pushing into the top three and doing it consistently. But it's definitely possible if they could grab Champions League qualification, just the process of going through those qualifying matches will help them out a lot. They've got some quite young players, they obviously need to get that experience in their legs and bring in perhaps some more players like Beasy who have that experience in them just to keep them used to that, that sort of football. But yeah, I think me, like you referred to earlier, didn't expect as big things from Braga despite mm -hmm. their their decent transfer business once again. It's a very solid base to build on. In introducing players like Vitina, and they've got more coming through their ranks. They've got a very impressive youth system that's very underrated in recent years. Players like Pedro Neto coming through that can definitely keep them, they can keep a base coming. It's just down to 
really taking the next step. And I think it's a season like this where perhaps they haven't been as consistent as they would like to push Porto even further. When we're having this conversation about they could actually do more in such an impressive season, I think it's only a good sign and they've definitely got something to build on and work towards. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think they've done really well this season uh, and really impressed me. Uh, part of me hopes they do make the Champions League, but I'll say that very quietly with uh, sporting fans present. Um, we haven't got much time left, but I do really want to talk about Maritimo uh, against Boa Vista because this was one of the most remarkable games, perhaps of the season so far, as Maritimo beat Boa Vista 4-2. They went 3-0 ahead. They conceded two goals to set up a very dramatic uh, final 10 minutes or so, but they got a fourth goal through Brian Riascos, who I completely slated Brian Riascos on last week's podcast. I don't know if either of you listened, but I completely annihilated him and he proved me wrong. So I hold my hands up, Brian, if you're listening. I'm sorry, I got it wrong. <laughs> but Marito, this is, I can't, we cannot stress what an important victory this is. For Maritima, as I said at the top of the show, we were talking about which teams are going to survive. Well, a win like this just gives them so much hope for survival. It puts them above Passos in the table. And Kevin, I'll come to you because I know you have a huge, huge spot for Maritima in your heart. If you can surmise quickly what chances you think they have of survival, what the team has to do to survive the state of the team as it is now. Because I look at that team and I see a lot of heart a lot of passion. I see less ability on the pitch, but when you have that desire and you have that, if there's unity in that team, which it looks like there is, then you've always got a, a slim chance. Behind closed doors, it hasn't been as easy as it looks. Um, mm. The new president came into effect. There's been a lot of drama behind him gaining full control of the club and basically as Sporting are doing now, as Rui Costa and Benfica seem to be doing slowly, renovating the club as a whole, the facilities, and basically just cleaning what we don't see on the pitch. It seems like as much has to be done on field and slowly with Gilles Vicente's old um, sporting director, Thiago Lane, coming in, has been starting to do. Like uh, João has alluded to with a couple of clubs already, the way Maritimo was run was very much based on agents and basically benefiting off of the pitch more than on it directly and to a philosophy. Meritimo seem to be going in the, into the right direction. It's a case of if it's happened a bit too late to bring in such a manager who can really get the players to buy into a philosophy and fight for him. It looks like it's finally happening. Now it's just a case of getting another victory to go on t on top of it, like they failed to do when they got that victory against Sporting. If they can build another win, if they can just get the next three points and try and build some consistency, get the ball to carry on going into the net because they've had some decent performances where it seems like the efficiency is just not there. And I won't use it for this game, despite them conceding two goals. We, we need to point out how spectacular they were. <laughs> they need to stop leaking goals at the back and making so many mistakes. But it's a step in the right direction. It's a step which they haven't had too many times this season. I don't think there's much chance 
based on this, that they get out of the playoff spot. But I think they can secure the playoff spot, and that always gives them a two-legged tie where they can save themselves. Mm. And I don't think that you've got a single player in that squad that will give up that fight until the end. So there's definitely a very positive factor on the field and off the field. It's very important to stress, and I don't think people have been keeping up with this as much as I have for obvious reasons. This has actually been the season where Mediti will have had their best and their highest average supporters for the season. They've had about 8,200 for basically their worst ever season in 40 years because they're on the cusp of relegation and the club have been in the top division for 40 years. Mm. And they're a club from Madeira with not as many residents as mainland Portugal, which already is quite low. And you've got teams that fail to get even a thousand fans in some games. Even away That's, games, many teams have been really even impressive. Away games. Last week, last week against Casa, uh, last week not, but uh, a couple of weeks ago against Casabia, there were like a lot of uh, Maritim fans in in Jamor. Uh, it was really impressive, and uh, obviously being a a fan of a smaller club as well, it's really nice to see uh, Madeirians scattering behind Maritim because. As José Gomes said, if if you're from Madeira and you like football, you need to get behind Maritime. Like you, you just have to or or Nacional, but one of them. Like there's there's no point in saying you're a football fan uh, from uh, Madeira and then you only watch football once a year when Benfica or Porto or Sporting uh, go to play in the island and you don't see football for the rest of the year. Uh, so yeah, it's really nice that the mentality is changing. Uh, it's still changing a bit too slow, but it's changing. We're going in the right direction. And fair play to Maritim for, for making that happen. Yeah, I think definitely because of another result this week that we won't have time to talk about, but Esther or getting a win this weekend means that, in my opinion, there is only the playoff to go for for these teams in the bottom three. Uh, but Maritimo, as we said, giving themselves a real chance of making that. Shabal, quickly on Boavista, who in a crazy game scored two goals, both candidates for goal of the season, but were not rewarded uh, for those efforts with, with, with anything out of this game. So th This team really confuses me at times. Sometimes they look excellent. Other times they look very poor. When you look at their season as a whole, they won five out of their first seven games of the season. But since then, in the next 18 games, they've only won three times, which is quite remarkable. I think their fans probably would have expected something better from them, for them to be higher up in the table than they are. Do you think this is a team that's underachieving at the moment? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that if the, the championship had another 10 rounds, they would be in serious danger. So they're probably happy it ends soon because they're mm. it's not looking good for them. Uh, I think Petit he's someone very respected uh, amongst Boavista fans and the, the board. Uh, otherwise, he'd be gone by now. I I think at least uh, it's not looking for good for them. Uh, week in week out, they don't seem like they're going to win against basically any teams. Uh, but that that's the thing. They still have that quality. Uh, but it's it's really hard because they can show that quality for 90 minutes. Uh, they have sparks of brilliant performances, but 
that that's the thing it's just not enough um so they they probably really uh need to thank those first uh seven games or 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 six games because that has saved their season if you have that good of a start mm-hmm. uh you you can really have um you, you don't have to worry too much about the rest of the season uh, I don't think their expectations were uh, to get a European football this season, uh, but regardless, I, I think they could they could get more. I think Boavista are one of a, of a few teams who I think are benefiting from the fact that this season we've seen three very weak teams yeah. who I think have have allowed other teams who are underachieving mm-hmm. a lot to kind of go under the radar a little bit in how bad they've been, but. Yeah, as you say, Boa Vista team. Unfortunately, I really like them. I like a lot of their players, um, but not impressing at the moment. I think Petit is benefiting from the fact that he 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 came in and stabilised them. They were heading towards relegation when he came in and, and he managed to keep them up. So he's probably living off of that reputation for a little bit. Um, let's talk about one more game this week. Joao, you're going to love me for this, but I'm going to bring up Family Cow versus Aruka. Now, I know you were in attendance at this game as a Family Cow fan. For anybody who isn't aware, Family Cow played Aruka. Um, it was a very good game, a very tight game, very competitive game, and it was decided by a 94th minute penalty for Aruka, who ultimately won the game 1 0. You must have been furious at the time. I'm going to give my opinion. I always try and be honest with the listeners with with my opinions on events in the game. And I'm not just saying this because Joao is here, but I really struggled with this penalty decision to justify it. I thought it was it was pretty outrageous. To say it was a soft decision is an understatement. And to describe it for anybody who hasn't seen the game, of course, you can go and watch the highlights if you wish. Uh, the Aruka player is facing away from the goal, moving away from the goal, and is on quite literally the line of the box. And it's a very slight kick as a family cow defender tries to clear the ball. I thought it was very harsh and and it felt like a very unjust way to decide the game. I think a draw would have been a fair result, if I'm honest. Yeah, I I agree. I think uh I think a draw was probably fair. Uh no team really deserved to win in my opinion. I was really surprised uh, with Aroka. Uh, I, I think they go under the radar, but they they really don't deserve to. Like they, they're a proper team. Mm-hmm. Um, like along the years, uh, Aroka doesn't have a lot of big name players. Uh, doesn't play a brilliant brand of football, but they're so consistent. Like they're so hard to beat. Like it, it's one of the most. Um, well, it's one of the hardest teams to beat in the league, in my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. Away, it's even harder. But, uh, for example, their fullbacks, they are so solid. Uh, Quaresma is one of the be- best left-backs in the league, in my opinion. And he goes under the radar. I'm not, not sure why. Uh, Busquets had a great game. Uh, Mujica is a great striker. Uh, they have a really interesting squad. Um, and, and I just think we could have done more. Um, Aroka played a relatively good game, yes, but I think we we could have done more. Um, of course, the the penalty was a bit, bit lame, but 
what can you do? Uh, I think the the referee was was not up to the level uh, yeah. during the whole ninety minutes. I, I don't think from all account, um, I I don't think he was trying uh, to to benefit one team. Uh, I I don't think neither of the teams can can claim that. But he was just not good enough. Like he was, like there were so many fouls that like, for example. Albi, when you watch the Premier League and then you watch this kind of game, like how how do you feel? Like, I don't feel good, but regardless of that, I think uh, it was was not good at all that uh, Mihai uh, got injured. He has been one of the best centre backs in the league, in my opinion. Uh, another player who's gone under the radar, in my opinion. Um, really key for Famalicão this season, uh, even better than Richelli. Uh, people talk about Richelli a lot, but in my opinion, Miai has been much better. Uh, and when he came off, I was expecting Penetra, uh, who's playing right back at the moment, uh, to come inside and Martin to come in. But for some reason, uh, they tried to bring in Otavio, who hasn't played for the first team Uh till that moment and well it didn't go well because he gave away that penalty and he's not very good on the ball as well I, I I'm not a big fan of him but yeah it is what it is uh, I think Fomalikan has struggled to score a lot this season and I think that's been our biggest problem because in defense I'm relatively happy uh, Junior is a brilliant goalkeeper I think our defense has been relatively solid Penetra has been really good uh, our midfield has been very good as well. Colombato is a very, very good midfielder. Uh, will not be anywhere near Famalicão next season because he'll be at a bigger club. Uh, Zaidu Yusuf could move as well to a bigger club. Uh, Ivan Jaime as well. Obviously, we all know him. A brilliant footballer. But we just lack a finisher. Uh, like, if, if we had a half-decent finisher, we'd be in European spots and I have no doubt about that. Mm. Like, Kadish is so much worse than average. So, uh, a, a finishing at least. Like he he does other things pretty well, but he, he's not a good finisher. We don't have a good finisher in the squad. Uh, Puma injured for for so many months is not good either. So so yeah, it it, it should be a better season. Um, we are completely the reverse case uh, of Boa Vista because our first seven games were I think four draws and three losses and we mm. only scored one goal in seven games yeah it was tough to watch so if you remove those seven games our season has been relatively good but you just can't have that and mm. and expect to to be in Europe uh same as other seasons I think we'll finish very close to the European spots but we still lack something to make it and mm. I, I think we lack stability uh I'm not exactly talking about players moving Moving in and moving out because a lot of people claim that Famalicão uh, isn't a better team because they they sell a lot of players every every season they bring a lot of players in every season. I don't necessarily agree, uh, but I think throughout the season uh, we need to be more consistent. Uh, I think the fans uh, shouldn't be so reactive uh, because I I think our fans are a, a bit too much uh, sometimes, uh, like Vitoria. For example, I I think sometimes uh, we go a little bit too far, uh, and it shouldn't be the case. Uh, I think the the club needs stability, and we uh, as fans need to need to bring that as much as we can. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a disappointing game, a disappointing result, uh, even more disappointing because if we had won, 
uh, we'd be only two points off at the European spots, but now it's a big gap. And and yeah, it, it feels um, it feels very disappointing to say the least. Yeah, I think before the game, I I saw a family cow team improving, and I did predict a family cow win in this game. But as we mentioned, the uh, refereeing decisions kind of took the result away from on the game really uh, well look gentlemen I think we're going to leave it there for this week's podcast we've come to the end of our time I will say a massive thank you again to both of you for joining but you're not off the hook just yet as all our listeners will know we like to end each podcast with a recommendation for a game that our listeners can watch this weekend of course there is an obvious choice we have a Classico on Friday in the UK it's a bank holiday it's at 6pm it's the perfect opportunity to watch some Portuguese football between two of the best clubs this country has to offer. I'm sure it will be live on UK TV on BT Sport. So you're not allowed to choose that game. But if you had to pick one game to recommend to our listeners who are looking to experience Portuguese football, which one would you recommend? Kevin, I'll come to you first. I'm going to go with Braga Estoril. Uh, you've got the Braga Stadium, which is a beauty. You've got a Braga team who have been brilliant this season and we might see them in the Champions League next season and Studil have a very interesting project going on, quite a few very good young players such as Bernard Vital, good centre-back Thiago Veia who's having a brilliant season on loan from Benfica and their striker who just came in from Juventus on loan they, they've got a host of very good creative options so I think that one could be a very good game, yeah Sounds fantastic to me as well. What are you going to go for? Well, first of all, I didn't know the UK had a, a holiday for the Classico. I not <laughs> that much, but yeah. I think we should do the same, honestly. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, my game would be uh, Aroca versus Maritimo. Uh, this is very interesting for both teams because in one side... Uh, Aroca really need to to get another win under their belt, uh, so they can be a little more more secure uh, about their European spot. And on the other hand, Maritim, if they can get three points, they're only three points off Sturil. So as you were saying, uh, it's not very likely that those three teams at the bottom will get out of there. But I think Maritim might have a chance if they win this weekend. So. It's a really big game for, for both sides. And obviously, I'm expecting Maritim to win uh, so that we we can get a chance to be a bit closer to uh, to Aroca and to, to Europe. But yeah, it will be a, a very difficult game. Uh, Maritim needs every point uh, they can get uh, because uh, obviously they won't give up in the playoff, as Kevin was saying, but I think they'll have a very hard task in their mm. hands. They, if they go in the playoffs, because uh, at the moment the the team that's third in the Segunda Liga is Viseu, I think, and Viseu is looking very good this season. So yeah. uh, I I think Viseu, uh, if they play against like any team in the bottom five or six in the Primera Liga, they win right mm. now. Uh, over two legs, I'm even more certain of that. So. No team uh, will want to be in that playoff spot if they face Viseu. Obviously, 
that that can change. You you can end up facing Estrela da Amadora, you can end up facing Farense, which is a bit easier in my opinion. But if they face Viseu, it will be a very difficult. Uh, it will be it will not be a happy day for for the team that that faces that. But yeah, uh, Aroca Maritim is my choice. Two excellent choices, guys, and my choice would be Pass the Ferreira versus Family Cal for very similar reasons. Any team in the relegation zone, it's, it's important to keep an eye on because those games are just going to be fascinating battles. Well, look, that brings us to the end of the show. I want to say a big thank you to you both for joining me and so adeptly substituting for Barney this week. Uh, thank you so much. If you want to follow these guys on Twitter and keep up with what they're doing, I highly recommend it. We're going to put links to both of their profiles in the description of this podcast. Make sure to go and give them a follow. And once again, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us, joining me. And to the listeners, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week.